I'm going to do the reading and then I will give you this, the text, or give you the, the topic for today. But beginning at, at Acts chapter 16, verse 37, be reading from the NIV. It says, but Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial. Even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison, and now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates. And when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. Chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. When they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. Synagogue, As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus, I am proclaiming to you as a Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks, and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused, caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them Go. As a title, I, call, I have called, titled this message, entitled this message, Facing Trouble in the Will of God. Facing Trouble in the Will of God. Facing Trouble in the Will of God. How much trouble does it take for you to go through before you are willing to quit the Lord? I am convinced that many church people are using homemade barometers to determine how much pressure they should have to go through before they call it quits. 
Somehow we tend to, to, to lose our perspective when trials and persecutions mount and we assume that our problems and difficulties should not be happening because we prayed and they should not happen to us. But let me tell you this. You could not have traveled with Paul and Barnabas, nor with Paul and Silas, with the attitude that since we are in the will of God, we won't have any problems. If you thought that life would be easy, you would be greatly mistaken. When we lose our focus on God, we automatically bring to the forefront our own perspective. And our perspective always has flaws and problems running through it. Anytime you bring your own perspective to the forefront, it is always running through with flaws. When the Holy Spirit showed Paul in a vision that a man in Macedonia was asking for them to come there and to help, the Bible says that they got ready at once to go there, concluding that God was calling them to that area. And so it was in Philippi that we went through a couple of weeks ago of Macedonia. After being obedient to Christ, that Paul and Silas are beaten almost to death. Because some bad characters and sinners lied on them. We look at them coming into Thessalonica. In chapter 17, after they had been run out of town. I'm going to come back to 16, but just giving you some context. Thessalonica, according to Dr. R.C. Sproul, was the most important city of Macedonia. It was the capital of Macedonia. Thessalonica was the capital. Thessalonica was given its name by the husband of Thessalai. Thessalai was the daughter of Philip of Mason, she was the sister of Alexander the Great. Thessalai is the daughter of Philip of Mason, and the she's the daughter of Philip of Mason and the sister of Alexander the Great. And after Philip of Mason had won a very important battle in that area, he gave the name of that city, his daughter, the name Thessalai, according to the victory. John Butler states that Thessalonica was about 100 miles from Philippi. It was southwest. So that when Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas left that area, they headed down to Thessalonica. Now, there was a road called the Ignatian Way that the Roman government had built up. And they wanted to bring um, uh, travelers to some of the Roman colonies. And so what they did, they had made a road 
that was well-maintained and was in, and was in good traveling condition. Many of the roads back then were, they were not in good traveling condition. But let me tell you this. God will make the enemy pave the way for his people. He will take a good road that was meant for corruption and place his people on it. People that honor the Lord. God has a way of, of, of bringing glory to his name by the evil that people mean for you. So when people try to harm you and do things against you, when you are in the will of God, God sees it and is able to bring you through. Sometimes when we run through problems and run into situations, we think God cannot be in this. But we find that Paul and Silas, after leaving Philippi, run, are now on their way to Thessalonica. Point number one, if you're writing it down, standing for Christ does not mean letting wrong go unchallenged. Standing for Christ does not mean letting wrong go unchallenged. Now, Paul and Silas had been beaten illegally back in the end of chapter 16 that we just read. They were not even asked what their crime was. The magistrates simply listened to false accusations and commenced to beating them. On top of the beating, they were thrown into prison without even being charged. Now, after the jailer had been saved along with his family, in the morning he brings word to Paul and Silas that says, the magistrates have said that you're free to go. Paul's response was like, hold on a minute. Not so quick. They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens. Make them, we want them to come and escort us out of jail. You see, sometimes people think because you are a Christian, you're supposed to let everything and everybody just run all over you. Now, I ain't talking about getting people told and everything, you in the wrong, and then you want to get upset at somebody. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you have been doing what God says to do, and people want to mistreat you that somehow you think, oh, I'm just supposed to just turn the other cheek and let people just run all over me. No, 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 no. That's why I need to come to Sunday school and Bible study. Sister Michelle said it quite good earlier today. I can tell you this, that if God did not keep Paul and Silas, if they were not fastened Oh, to the Lord, they would have quit, just like John Mark had done earlier on. When the problems mounted and the problems began, they would have turned around. Some of you, if you were with Paul and Silas, the first signs of trouble, you would have turned around and went back home. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have gone on with them. Some of y'all on that sea, when the waves were going and you would have got seasick, you said, turn this boat around. 
Take it back to the harbor. I want off of this ship. I've been, I, I used to get on, on, on some of those rides at the amusement park. Not quite realizing what the ride was all about and what it was going to do to my body. In the midst of the ride, it started out to stop this thing. Let me off. Let me off. Couldn't get off. I had to wait till the ride. Oh, I was just counting. Please, Lord, get me through this ride. My head was dizzy. My stomach was not where it was supposed to be. And I was miserable the rest of the day. Got on the ride in the morning and sick all day long. I vowed I'd never get on another ride. That spun and twirled. No, no, no. So whenever we would go to the amusement park, my wife would be upset. You don't like to ride? No, I ain't getting on no ride. Go with the kids. I'm going to the arcade where it's safe. I can shoot at the things in the, right there in the screen. I can shoot those. I'll go do some bumper cars. Get a little roller coaster. Some twirling thing that don't stop. I tell them to stop and they won't stop it. <laughs> I know some of y'all would have turned around and went on back home. Paul and Silas have been beaten, but Paul says, wait a minute. They didn't do what was right. They beat us even though we are Roman citizens. I know some of you, when y'all go to court, you say, I want justice, especially if you know you've done something right and you were accused falsely. You want your day in court because you felt that you've been treated wrong. Why? Because you feel that you are entitled to the protections and the laws of the land because you say, I am a United States citizen. And therefore you say, I am entitled to what the law says. And if you've been done unjustly, you're going to go to the newspaper, Channel 4 News, some, you're going to go someplace and say, my story needs to be told. So you can imagine Paul and Silas saying, we were beat illegally. Now they want to quietly let us go. No, may they let them come themselves. And the fact that when they would go to the jail, it would be an indication that, oh, these men, something is going on here. Let them publicly come and escort us out. You ain't got to be no, no punching back for, every and every, for everything that happens. But just make sure you're in the right. Paul and Silas refused to go quietly, but they did it in the right way. They said that you beat us against the law, and now we're going to hold you accountable to the law. And I've told you before that Rome did not tolerate insurrection. They did not tolerate rebellion and, 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 and riots. And yet these characters, because they hated the message came and stirred up trouble. And so Paul and Silas, after they go now back to Lydia's house, they now leave town and get on the Ignatian Way and begin going southwest towards Philippi. I can tell you this. I'm going to sit even got further down in my notes. It is a sad day when men can walk 100 miles 
for the gospel. And in the conveniences that we have today, we can't go ten miles. It is something to see how these men were willing to, to walk and to serve God through persecution. And it is through our conveniences that we have become rebellious against God. Paul's response, hold on, forces these leaders to take a look at the law that they had broken. It is said that the owners of the slave girl, nor community of people there, were concerned about the health of a slave girl where a demon had been tormenting her. That we read a couple of weeks ago. There was no concern about that. But they were concerned that Paul and Silas were messing up their ability to make illegal money. While this girl was being tormented. But Paul knew the law. and He refused to be a punching bag for evil. Thank God for Hobby Lobby who stood against the federal government and said that this part of the health care law violates our religious belief and we will fight for what we believe honors God. Some of y'all don't probably, probably know what I'm talking about. Where there had been this Christian organization who had been providing jobs and government said, you've got to provide this type of birth control or this type of support where they felt that it was against their religiously held beliefs to do this because they felt that it aborted or dealt or affected the fetus. And even though they were providing 16 other types of contraception for women, and not four of them, everybody went crazy. The Supreme Court in the decision of a ruling just last week said that they did not have to provide if they were a private organization company, have to violate their Religious beliefs. Today, our beliefs and what we stand for, they're under attack. And the church sits quietly by, having their rights stripped by a government where we are supposed to be the ones that says, we put you in office. This is how it's supposed to be. And we are the ones being mistreated and somehow feel like it's okay. Thank God that people are willing to stand up when wrong is done and saying, I will not succumb to that which is evil. So Paul and Silas are forced to leave town because of the word of God. They could have stopped and questioned the Holy Spirit and said, didn't we get the place right, Lord? Didn't you tell us to go here? How come we're being beaten right now? Some of you have been in situations where you have questioned God because you think God has gotten it wrong. Some of you have said, God, I didn't sign up for this. God, somehow, I thought you told me to do this, and I didn't know that all of this was going to be a part of it. Some of you have been shaken in your faith thinking, hmm, Can I really go on? But we have not even suffered unto death. We have not even suffered even with a rod. And here Paul and Silas 
have been beaten. And now they leave Philippi and are on their way to Thessalonica, saying that we know that God has called us to this work. Trouble and difficulty does not mean that you are on the wrong path when you are clearly in the will of God. We need to look at our perspective, how we look at things. We need to change how we view things when trouble comes. We need to say, okay, God, this is happening. What is the lesson that you're trying to tell me rather than, oh, God, why is this happening to me? We need to ask the question, Lord, what are you showing me? So standing for Christ does not mean letting wrong go unchallenged. Point number two, out of the frying pan and into the fire. Out of the frying pan and into the fire. It was in Thessalonica that Paul and Silas would again face their next difficult challenge and assignment. Now we note something very interesting here. It says that Paul and Silas went to the synagogue. And it says in verse 2, as his custom was. Here is the greatest missionary that ever lived. The man that was used marvelously by God going to church. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul going to church every Sunday? That he goes into a town where he's ministering? Knowing that trouble lies ahead and knowing that the people... Many of them, the leaders rather, don't want to hear what he has to say. Can, can you imagine that you know you are going into hostile territory? Can you imagine knowing that when you go into the temple and you begin to talk about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that the people there did not accept Jesus as the Messiah, that you already know this and that trouble is brewing? And yet, the Bible says, as his custom was, Paul goes to the synagogue. Now, on three Sabbaths, Paul reasoned with the people and the leaders, the Bible says, from the Scripture. Now, I need to tell you this. Can anyone tell me if they had the New Testament in the Old Testament? That was a trick question. No, okay. What did they rely upon when Paul went to the temple? What scriptures did they rely on? The Old Testament. They had the Old Testament, right? If they had the Old Testament, and Paul was able to give them the word of God and show them the passages, Isaiah and others, the prophets, and all of the scriptures that all pointed to Jesus and people are being saved, that, that had to be a very, very important thing. They didn't have the New Testament. Paul is showing them from the Old Testament all of the scriptures that they used to read. Every Sabbath day, he is telling them these are the scriptures that point to Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Messiah. The Messiah that they did not believe in, many of them. 
But the Bible says, God says in the New Testament, that his word would not return void. Do you know that it was the preaching of the Old Testament and Paul showing them that it was, a Jesus, it was Jesus? How the scriptures supported the fact that it was Christ? Can you imagine that people are being saved? When Paul was able to relate the Old Testament passages to Jesus that had come on the scene. And the Bible says that many were saved and not a few prominent women were being saved. Now it mentions not a few prominent women, meaning that they were the wealthy women. Now and it's interesting because most rich people don't want to hear the word of God. They depend upon the riches. But it makes a point here when it speaks of the prominent women that are being saved that even the wealthy Greeks were turning to the Lord. It was the word of God. And what was Paul preaching? Can anyone tell me what was the message that Paul gave? What was the message? That Jesus what? That Jesus lived and he died. And that this Jesus was who? That this Jesus was the Messiah. The Messiah that they were still looking for. This Jesus fulfilled all of the scriptures. This Jesus fulfilled all of the Old Testament. All of the things that the Bible spoke about was fulfilled in Jesus. He is the Messiah. And Paul was so convincing that people of the aristocracy, the rich, were coming and being saved. Rather than Paul finding a place to bathe his wounds, because you've got to imagine, Paul had just been beaten in Philippi. His wounds, his body is still more than likely still recovering from the beating he got back in Philippi. Can you imagine your body is suffering and you are still on your way to service? Sometimes our emotional wounds get hurt and bruised and we quit. But here's Paul being beaten for not doing anything wrong. And he carries on. Preach that Christ, he had to suffer and die and rise from the dead. You see, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we would never and could never be saved. The gospel message that Christ, that he died and rose. It is not only that God, that Christ, that Christ died, it's that he had to rise from the dead. The religious leaders were not teaching about this Jesus. They rejected him, and so we find many people in the church coming to Christ when Paul comes to town. Now, I want you to note this here. Verse 4 says, let me go back to 3. Explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous. So look here. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. 
Thessalonica was the most important city in Macedonia. I can imagine that the leaders who are upset with Paul and Silas, they're upset with them for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're upset with them because they're speaking about and teaching about Jesus that they rejected. And number two, I think they are upset and bothered because of their position and status within the community. That people looked at them as being special and that their status was now challenged. They are losing the people because Paul and Silas are preaching Christ and they are winning the people because of the message of Jesus Christ. You see, it is the gospel that saves. And Paul and Silas refused to preach and teach anything else but Christ. Every place they went. And so the religious leaders, they go out and grab some bad character. You can always find some people to cause trouble. Just go stand on the corner and say, you, you, got, you got some things you want to do, you, and, and you need some help. Standing long enough, you have somebody that's going to join you. And if they and if they're doing that, I, you know what? There's some other people that I know that are joining this cause too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I I don't I I wonder why why is it that we that we can find people to to form riots, but not find people to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We 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 can find people that will cause havoc in the streets. But you can't find people to stand for holiness. You can find people that will, that will cuss you out up and down. But can't find people to say, praise the Lord. Well, what is it about that, that people are, are, are glad to glamorize and glad to portray those things that, that are unrighteous and unholy and to lift them up? But when it comes to the things of God... Their tongues become tied and can't say anything. How is it that we can one day cut Uncle Tom out down the street and yet, and then the next day say, oh, bless him. Tell people that sexual morality is sin and they will tell you how they're working on it. Tell people in the church. That God's judgment is on sin and must be stopped. And you will be told, don't judge. And Paul and Silas are in a place of danger and they are telling people, this is what the Bible says. And they say, we will form a mob and rock you to death. <laughs> Trying to stamp out the word of God is nothing new. Today there are people they don't convert to Islam, will be killed on the spot. They don't give their allegiance to a false god. Then they're willing to take your heads off. Sunday school, a question was raised. How many would stand if you were in with the radical Muslim and you had to deny Christ? How many of you would stand for Christ at that moment or when you came? You see, our testing comes from what we go through. We know that Paul and Silas were able to stand the test. And we know that they were victorious because of what they went, of, of what they went through. But I want you to know this. 
God does not show you some of the things that you have to face because he knows that you wouldn't move if you saw it. Some of you would never develop any faith. Your faith wouldn't grow. Because the moment you saw trouble, you run and go the other way. The reason that some of us are stunted is because God is not first in our lives. Conveniences are. Our cars, the marketplace, food, everything else but God. And so we put in front of God all the things that are temporal that's going to burn up. Rather than the word of God, Paul said no. I'm going to go to Macedonia, I'm going to go to Philippi, I'm going to go to Thessalonica. And whatever might come, I'm going to do what God says. The Lord has already told me that prison and, and hardships are waiting me. But I've already determined that this is the course that God has called for me to be on. And some of us are looking out the curtain. What does the weather look like today? Ah, it's raining. I ain't going out today. It's foggy out there. I ain't going out today. And so, we would not be able to stand with Paul and Silas because we can't go through things. It is the trying. It is the trials of life that determines and shows you what's really on the inside. Your trials really show what's there. Can you imagine? And I know some of you don't want to, wouldn't want to say, but we choose things over God. Paul and Silas says no. I know. Some of us are active food tomorrow if we got, if we got a million dollars yesterday. <laughs> I know it, 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 I know it. Some of us would, would be gone in a minute. I got to go on my vacation. I'm going around the world. Because I got a million dollars and I got to go spend it. Paul and Silas had learned what it meant to be content in the will of God through the good times, through the trials. They jumped out of the fire, coming out of Philippi, going into Thessalonica, that when the mob was formed in that city, do you not know that they were planning to kill them? It was only by the grace of God that they're not at the house of Jason. Jason, one of the members, one of the, the local people, the believers, had brought Paul and Silas in, welcomed them. And when the people saw all of the changes and, and all the blessings of God, they said, we don't like it. And started a riot. And because they couldn't find Paul and Silas, who, let's grab somebody. And they wouldn't grab Jason. How sad. How sad. When we take our issues and trouble and try to make it somebody else's. We point the finger says it's those people 
rather than what's wrong with me. Lord, what are you wanting to do in the inside of me? Why don't you do it? Are they going to do it? Are you going? Is somebody else going to do it? I'll go if they do it. Oh, if God could get three quarters of the time that we spend doing other stuff. It is trouble that runs us to God for relief. Not for the relationship that God calls for. We serve God oftentimes because of relief. But is it because of love? I tell my wife every so often I love her. Almost every day. Almost every day. Almost every day. Yeah, I think I told her yesterday. (laughs) Now, when I say that I love my wife, it does not mean that I don't get upset with her. I don't do things wrong, so she don't get upset with me, so I ain't worried about that. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it, it does not mean that she don't sometimes get on my last nerve. I don't get on her last nerve because I do everything well. She could vouch for that. Don't answer that, honey. Don't answer that. <laughs> Please. And don't y'all go trying to talk to her at the church either about it either. Lie! <laughs> But when I say I love her, there's an understanding there that even with all the false and the good things, that I love her because of who she is. I love you in a different way. God is my first love. She's my second. She don't have a problem with that. And in fact, if I told her I love her more than God, she'd go, whoa, 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 whoa. She said, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, get, get that right. Don't, mm-mm. She even told me that. Don't, don't be putting me in the place. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> but she knows, she knows there's a priority that God first that I love. And there's not a problem there. But when I say that I love her and I love, it, it means that even through, through the difficulties, no matter what comes, that I'm going to still show my love. Even when there's an argument, somehow that's going to be worked out. Let me share this before I go on. I'm going to just get off and come, and come to it in a minute. I told you, we used to get into heated debates and arguments on the Saturday before church. Messed up my Sunday morning. <laughs> it's happening every Saturday. And years come, oh my goodness, the enemy has been busy. He is doing everything he can to mess up my worship and her. And, and we would become mad, upset. Not wanting to talk and say nothing. Saturday night, it was always a Saturday fight. <laughs> Until we realized what was happening and had finally had to say, 
we have to watch and pray because we know what the enemy is doing. And once we finally found out, oh, that basically went away. That we can fight on Monday. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but we had to watch. We had to realize this is what the enemy is trying to do. You've got to watch. The enemy is going to do anything he can to get you off track. He brought persecution against Paul and Silas to make them stop. He brought beatings to them in Thessalonica and to try to get them to stop. But Paul and Silas knew. They knew that they were called by God. What keeps you from being totally sold out for God? What keeps you from saying, it's God and I'm going to serve him the rest of my life as he's called me. If he's first in my life, what would it take? Remember, the persecution that Paul and Silas went through showed where they really were in Christ. We were able to see clearly where they stood. It's the trials that lets me know where you are in the Lord. It really lets me know, it lets you know where you are. But you've got to be able to be willing to see it. Wait a minute, this is where I am in the Lord. So the question that stands before us, are you going to let conveniences interfere with your worship to God? The conveniences of life? Paul and Silas were persecuted and didn't allow that. They didn't allow that to keep them from honoring and doing the will of God. The moment they got the word to go to Macedonia, they packed up and they went. They didn't say, Lord, what's going to happen down there? They went. And so, what are you willing to do? To show that God is first in your life. Is he first? There's some things that. We've got to clean up. And God is in the habit and the business of showing and doing the work. Now. What are you going to do in response? I'm convinced of this as I come to a conclusion. That Paul. And Silas. Never forgot what they were called to do. Have you? Have you forgot what you are called to do? One thing, primarily, is to honor and to serve God faithfully and first. I told the Lord, God, any vehicle you get for me, I want to be able to take people to church in. That was my way of being able to get the vehicle. I ain't lying. I said, one way. I said, some of y'all, y'all know. No, I, went, I went to the vehicle, Lord. I'll, I'll use it for your glory. I wanted that car. <laughs> but no, I, I've done it. But, I, I, have, but I, I mean that. We sometimes will promise God something because we want something. Down the road, we forget what we promised. Some of you promise, I'll serve you, Lord, if you get me out of this. Lord, I'm going to clean this up if you get me out of this. And we are forgotten and fallen right back into the very thing that we promised God we wouldn't do. What is it in your life that you have fallen back into? 
fallen out of. If Christ is not first in your life, if he's not the priority that's right in the forefront, that means that you're out of perspective and out of the will of God. Whatever is in the way, you need to remove it rather than asking God to remove it. Bow your heads. In this place today, Lord, we pray that trials and tribulations will reveal what's really there in our hearts and that we will then take that and present it back to you and say, Lord, now use me for your glory. Purge me. Cleanse me, Lord. May whatever I go through, may it be something that can honor the Lord in my life. May I not let conveniences be my downfall, but Lord, may I allow what you have given to serve you more faithfully and completely. We love you, we honor you. And we pray today that in this life in which we live, we will recognize that it is a short time, it is a short life, (laughs) and we must be about your business. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we magnify you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.